Let's open our Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we are going to pick it up uh, where we left off. Last time we talked about the last days, that the last days are now. He says there in verse 1 of chapter 3, terrible times in the last days. And looking what the Bible has to say, that the, the last days really began technically from the time of Jesus' uh, revealing or when he was given to us until his return. And so we are now in the last days, and maybe, just maybe, we are in the last of the last. I can't make any definitive statements about that. Things do look bad, though, when you, talk, when you look at these, uh, this list here in verses 2 through 4. And it just seems to like fit our society, fit our situation, fit our, our lives uh, uh, pretty well. But I think, I think the thing to focus on for us is, is that if, if these are the last days, then we need to be looking and we need to be watching for his return. We need to be looking and watching for his return because really, truthfully, it could be at any moment. I think that's what we need to understand. It could be at any moment. And, and uh, you know, the question is, are we living for him? And how will we find him? Someone talked to me after last week and said, you know, there was this time in my life and I was involved in this and this and this. And, and uh, he said, you know, I, I just prayed that God wouldn't come back during that time that I was involved in these things because he knew Jesus. He knew Jesus as his Savior and Lord. That's not a situation we want to be in, though, is it? Lord, don't come back right now. We, we want it to be the, the other way, the opposite. Lord, please, come back now. Come quickly. We want you. We need you. So one of the characteristics of the last days we saw here in uh, verse 5, if you want to read that with me, it says, having a form of godliness but denying its power and have nothing to do with them, having a form of godliness. So there's this outward form, but denying its power. There's no power there. And the power is this power of God working in our lives. The power of godliness, the power of God working in my life. There's no power of God working inside. And so this idea that, you know, we could be putting on this show, this masquerade really, and, and yet we're saying no to him. We, we're not going to allow him to work inside me. I, no, no. We say no to God. And, and you say, can you say no to God? Yeah, you can. But in the end, will you win? Who's going to win? It's not going to be you. It's not going to be me. But there's no evidence of his work in my life. But you know that without that, you and I, we're just fakes. We're just fakes. We're just fakes. So this is one of the things that he's talking about in the last days, that there's this form, there's this outward thing, but there's no real power, there's no real life, there's no real truth there. And there's a counterfeit. You know, we're counterfeits, we're, we're imitations, we're charlatans, really, we're imposters. And we're going to see, that's what we're going to look at here today in these next few verses. I looked up, though, and I know you all love Wikipedia. I looked this up, though, the, the, the meaning of the word counterfeit is to, to imitate something. 
Counterfeit products are fake replicas of the real product. Counterfeit products are often produced with the intent to take advantage of the superior value of the imitated product. So they're taking advantage. This is a real interesting in terms of what we're going to look at today, this definition. It's imitating something that's really, really good, the real thing, but it's fake. But the idea is to take advantage that the, the real thing is so superior and they're, they're going to take advantage of it and get something out of taking advantage of the real thing. You know, it is huge, huge business, though, isn't it? It's billions and billions of dollars of people counterfeiting, right? The products, you know... Those are, it's hard to see, but those are Rolex watches. Which one is genuine? Can you tell looking at that? Which one do you think? Anybody have a guess? Well, the truth is neither one of them are genuine. They're both fakes. They're both fakes. They're both fakes. You know the term for, uh, for counterfeit stuff, right? Anybody know the, the, the current term? Bootleg. Bootleg. That's my daughter. Come on. Some of them are really, really good. Like those watches, they're, they're fakes. Some of them are really, really good, and some are not so good. Have you seen this kind of stuff? Really? Now, stay with me here. This has something to do with what we're going to talk about today. Some really, really good fakes and some really, really bad fakes. You can look at them right away and go, like, that isn't real. <laughs> like that, right? That's like, I've seen stuff like that. How about this one? One of those is real and one isn't real, and I can't tell. I'm, I'm just going to guess that the top one is because you see more of that there, but, you know, that may not be true. You know, money is the most counterfeited thing. You know, it's the, they, it's paper money is the most counterfeited thing. It's the most popular counterfeit, and, you know, it's happening all over. But, but you know, there are scams and counterfeits of all different kinds, aren't there? People pretending to be one thing when they are not. Like this? Hello, this is the IRS. You will be arrested if you don't pay us immediately. I, I got this. T literally, I got this phone call like two days ago on my cell phone. How they get them, I answer it, and there's some threatening voice. This is the IRS. Call us at this number. The IRS is actually going to sue you. So I just... I just called them up and gave them all my personal information and, and bank account numbers, social security numbers and everything, and, and, and so now they're off my back. Right? No. Pay attention to this. This is a scam. And they, they're not going to call you. I want to just make this clear. They are not going to call you on the phone and say this to you. Okay? So if they ever do, just hang up. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. You have to take steps to say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. You are so fake. You are so imitation. You're so unreal. They might sound good, you know, but we, we laugh about this, but you know the, how many people they're getting money from with this? 
right now. It's, this is a now thing. Like I said, I just got that call. And, and they had tried to call me two or three times already, and I didn't get to the call in time. And uh, so they were, you know, they're, they're persistent. But if you, if you go look, you'll see it's like it's, it's real. It's right now. So what we're going to look at today is, is verses 6 through 9. And we're going to look at an example of this kind of thing that's happening. Let's read these verses 6 through 9. It says, They, looking back to verse 5, that have a, have a form of godliness, denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected, but they will not get very far, because as in the case of these men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you'd open our minds and teach us what you want us to understand and and to know about, to prepare ourselves, to protect ourselves from counterfeits, from fakes, imitations, imposters, in Jesus' name. So, it's not a really a good picture. The, 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 the list in verses 2 through 4 is not a very good thing. Verse 5 is not a very good thing. But then he says that, that these kinds of things are now happening. And, and just the, the language he uses there in verse 6, he says, They worm their way into homes. Another version says creep into homes, right into people's lives. That sounds creepy, doesn't it? These guys, you know, they, they've got a form of godliness. They're pretending to be such and such, but they're really not. But they're actually trying to worm their way into. The motives, and when I, when I study and look and read these verses, or the motives are, are really the same motives that are, are pretty much standard. Money, power, and women for these men. Money, power, and women. That's what their motives are. That's really what they're after. That's what they're going for. The scams, the IRS scams, what are they after? Money. money. They want your money. But here we see it. They're creeping their way. They're, they're worming their way into the homes to gain control. There's the power over weak-willed women, they, they also prey upon uh, them to get money, right? See how much money they can get you to send? But really, the, the, the thing that really bothers me about it is that they're taking advantage of these people. Now, I want to say it's not just women that they work, are working on, but, but they're seeing a, a weak spot, perhaps, or for this, the particular women they're talking about here who, who are weak-willed and, and are having all kinds of problems already. And, and they're taking advantage of them, you know, trying to hit them at a weak spot. And what, they, what they're doing is they're making these targets. They have a, targets, they have these victims, and they, they actually prey upon their weakness, and how do they do that? They promise, if you follow me, power, I will help you to get to this place of spirituality. I will help you get to this place where you will be an overcomer. I will help you, and if you, if you only give to me, then I will help your life also to blossom financially. 
They hit people that really will, are, in a, are in a spot where they will, will believe just about anything. It says here that they're learning a lot, but they're never able to acknowledge the truth. They're not really sure the truth. They're not prepared. And so, so when they hear these things, they say, well, that sounds kind of good. Let me ask you this. Do the imitators, do the counterfeits, they ever come to you and say, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a counterfeit fake? No, they, they never say that. They would never say that. I'm the counterfeit IRS. They're not going to say that. But they target people. This is, this is almost you can get mad about something like this, right? One of the things that Timothy's been talking about throughout in, in his teaching, uh, uh, Paul's been talking to Timothy about his false teaching, right? And he keeps coming back to this. And this is one of the things that we're seeing here, this false teaching. Watch out. Watch out. Be on guard. Be on guard. Look at verse uh, 8. It says there, Excuse me one second. It says there in verse 8, uh, Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. It gives us a little bit more understanding about the, who, these, who these people are. Now, does anybody know who Janus and Jambres are? Now, the Bible doesn't exactly tell us that they are the Egyptian musicians, magicians, but I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 7 because uh, it it seems pretty clear, and many, many believe that that they were two of the magicians. Let me have a drink. Musicians. uh, No, magicians that were there when Moses was facing Pharaoh, right? You know the story, or if you haven't read it, it's an incredible story. Read the, the book of Exodus and what happens. You, you know, maybe go back and watch the movie again, and, and you'll see Yul Brynner. He has my haircut, and uh, you'll see him in the movie too. But anyways, Exodus chapter 7, there were these magicians, and... The Lord said to Moses to go and he would, he would show that he was the Lord. The Lord would show by his power that he was the Lord and he would do these particular things. So look at verse 8. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. That's what God said was going to happen, and that's what God did. It's a miracle, right? Right? But verse 11 says, Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. And each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. That's kind of the end of the story here. They came out, these Egyptian magician guys, and, and they saw what Moses had done. And they, what did they do? They imitated it. Oh, yeah, you can do that. Well, we can do that too. 
Now you ask, well, how did they do that? And, and again, uh, many believe that two of these guys that are in this story here are the guys that Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy chapter 3. How did they do it? Was it some kind of trickery or, or some kind of demonic power? I think it was probably some kind of demonic power. That the, that the devil is actually involved in this imitation, this counterfeit, this fake stuff that's going on here. As a matter of fact, you, you read different passages that at the time of the end, at the very end, that demonic power will be seen. You can read about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and, and also in the book of Revelation chapter 13. There will be lying signs and wonders and miraculous powers that, that Satan will be able to do these imitation things. So I guess you could, you know, thinking about that, you could say, well, just because something radical is happening doesn't necessarily mean that it's from God. Right? We have to still be careful. Just because some radical thing occurred, oh, that must be God. Maybe, but maybe not. We'll talk about how to know. Interesting thing, and we're not going to look at the whole story here, but, but these magicians, you know, they saw the miracle of the snakes, right? And what they do? They made more snakes, right? And then, uh, you know, Moses was able to make blood out of water. And what did they do? They made more blood. So there was no drinking water. And then Moses was able to make frogs come up and just like completely take over the place. What did the magicians do? Made frogs. They made more frogs. Now, how helpful is that? More snakes, more blood, more frogs. Like, that's really helpful. You guys are doing a great job here. But the thing is, that's as far as they were able to go. And, and they were, were not able to go any further than that. You know, and it's true with demonic power. There's a limit to this kind of power. You know, I just hate this kind of concept, you know, that, you know, Jesus is here and Satan is here and they're both kind of like on the same level and, you know, one is light and one is dark and it's the light against the darkness and they both have kind of this power and they just kind of battle it out. There is no comparison whatsoever. Satan is a created being, but that doesn't mean that he's got some kinds of powers, but he's a created being. Jesus Christ is the creator. So they're not even on the same plane level in any way, shape, or form, right? So they only made things worse, really. And in the end, we see that, you know, Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. His, his uh, snake just ate theirs all up. Let's turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. So looking at these men here, again, he, he uses them as an example where they gave this imitation and they, they, they were able to do certain things and it kind of looked, wow, that, that's pretty impressive you're able to do that. But look what it says about them. It says they opposed, not only opposed Moses, but they opposed the truth. They're men of depraved minds. There's corruptness there. But not only that, who as far as the faith is concerned are what? Rejected. They're not, even, they're not even believers. Do they look like believers? Do they put on a show to pretend that they are? Just because someone gets up there and says, I'm, you know, I'm an evangelist, I'm a pastor, I'm, you know, I'm a, a speaker, I'm a prophet, I'm an apostle, I'm all these different kinds of things. Just because they get up and say that kind of thing, does that mean that they are? 
I could get up here and say all kinds of things. It doesn't make you know make it true. They're not even believers as far as the faith is concerned. Now you say, well, is that even possible that someone could be speaking in a church and not even be a believer? A pastor, someone has the title pastor and is not even a believer? Does that happen? Yeah, absolutely does. Scary. Not even believers. This is kind of what we're talking about right here. See that? That's radical, huh? Radical. What what is that? It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And Jesus said, you know, they're going to be false prophets. Jesus is the one who said this, right? False prophets would come. He says, watch out. They're, you know, they look like sheep on the outside, but inside they're like ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. And you say, well, why are you talking all about that? You know, because, you know, that doesn't affect my life. But you know what? Is it happening today? Is this what Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 3 happening today? Do you think? Any of you think? You know, sometimes we're in our own little cocoon. You know, we've got a little fellowship here, and, and uh, I, love, I love our church, but, you know, we also have to kind of keep an eye out that there's bigger things going on in the world around us than just our little thing here, right? And there's scary stuff that's going on all around us even now as we speak. It's all over the place. You can, you can find lists and lists of of. False teaching that's uh, uh, false teachers that are out there, the, you know, with the internet now. Now, you got to be careful because some of them, you know, I, I did some searching. Some of them say, you know, uh, anybody who speaks at all is a false teacher. That, you know, because, because what the deal is, is they are the false teacher. And if, if anybody disagrees with them in any way, shape, or form, that makes everybody else false teachers, right? See what I mean? So you got to be careful because some of these guys like go that to that extreme. Like anybody except them are the false teachers. But there are, is a lot of false teaching out there. I want to I want to tell you, there's a lot of imitation. There's a lot of fakes. There's a lot of false. Let, let's talk about some different groups. There's false Christian teachers, false Christian evangelists and pastors and and. Uh, men and women who are teaching things that are not true in the name of godliness with a form of godliness hey this looks like a this is a happening church and radical things are going on here didn't you see the gold coming out of the sky say well did you just make that up no i didn't just make that up gold is kind of gold dust is coming down out of the sky now, did it really happen? I don't know, but that's what they're saying has happened. You, you do a search on that, you'll see. But not only in the Christian realm, what we would call Christian church today, which, which I think concerns me more than anything, is the fact of, of false teaching creeping into the Christian church, or what is supposed to be the Christian church, and church is becoming more and more liberal and by liberal, it just means like we accept anything and everything. So you have, you have the, the problem within the quote-unquote church, but then, then you have, you know, cults that have been around for a long time, Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Any of you ha- have had them come to your door trying to get into your house? The Mormons? I'm not afraid to mention these, uh, you know, Ekankar. These things are, you know, are all around us. Uh, Scientology has been in the news recently, right? Christian science. 
All kinds of Eastern mysticism, which has, you know, uh, in the last, say, 30 years has kind of like come into our society. Now, you know, there's yoga everywhere. And, uh, and you say, well, don't get down on yoga. I'm not down on yoga. I'm down on, on what the foundation is, which is Eastern mystical thought and religion. Be very, very careful. But even something like Catholic teaching, Say, oh, be careful here, you're going in, you know. But, but the, this Catholic teaching that salvation is based on works, it's by what you do, that you need to keep this, this, and this, these kinds of, you know, things you need to do, and then you can be a believer, you can be saved, you can go to heaven. Well, well that's false teaching. You need to be very careful and clear about that. What do I think is the biggest problem? I'll tell you what I think is the biggest problem today. You want me to tell you? What I think is the biggest problem today, it's my opinion, is the acceptance of all these different things. It's all okay. It's all okay. It doesn't matter. You can't say anything. You can't say anything about them because, you, you know, that's not politically correct. That's not okay. You can't say anything about this group or that group. Anything goes. That's the biggest problem. Used to be, you know, when I first became a believer, you know, there was like, people were like, it was so clear. This is the truth here, and, and this is false. Now it's like it all kind of blends together. It's all kind of, you know, mm-mm. Someone said this, there's plenty of religion in the last days. And in our society, too, there's plenty of religion around, too. But how much of it is imitation? How much of it is fake? How much of it is counterfeit? And, and we talked last time, you know, this study that was just done recently, that 85% of Americans are Christians. Really? 85%. That would seem to me make a big change in our society if that was true. So... It says here that they are opposing the truth. And some of the things that we, we look at and when we, when, that, that it's important for you and I to know and to think about and to be in touch with, number one, and these aren't in any particular order, but the truth of the Bible, they oppose the truth of the Scripture. Well, we don't hold to that. That's kind of an outdated book. And, and you know, it's only written by men. And, it, you know, it has all kinds of errors and all these things to get around it. And so, they're, you know, they undermine the authority of Scripture. Big problem. Because when you, when you truly know the Scripture, you see it, it. This is the Word of God. This is inspired. In fact, in this same chapter at the end, it tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. We're going to talk about that more when we get to it. This is probably the number one, if I had to say number one, the truth of who Jesus is that they oppose. The truth of who Jesus is, that he is the Savior of the world, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through him. Well, Jesus is just one of the ways. He is just an angel. He's just a prophet. He's a good teacher. I like, I mean, he said some cool stuff, you know. Like cleanliness is next to godliness. He said some pretty cool stuff like that. What? What? Are you sure? She says it's not from the Bible. How many of you thought it was in the Bible? You don't have to raise your hand because... 
It's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? That's scripture. That's from the Bible. But we've added all kinds of stuff and, and twisted all kinds of things. Jesus, read the Gospel of John chapter 1 and then chapter 3. The truth of, of sinful man, this one's been attacked, right, and opposed. There's no such thing as sin. Are you kidding me? That's like so old-fashioned to think that you sin, that people are sinners. You know, this is, like, this is like the biggest lie ever, though. You know what? Because I think and I truly believe that we all know within ourselves that we are just flat-out sinners. But if you keep telling yourself, you're not a sinner, you're not a sinner, you're not a sinner, there's no such thing as sin. Well, how do you deal with all that stuff? I don't know. But the truth, the Bible says that we are all sinners, and we need to be saved from that sin. And the only way to be saved from it is not by doing a lot of good things and that you know, our, our good works are going to outweigh our bad works and then we're going to get into heaven. No, uh, you know, we need to have our sin paid for. The only payment for sin is Jesus and His dying upon the cross. There's no other payment that you're going to make. You're not going to do enough good stuff that you can't get in. So give up now and give your life to Jesus, which is the next one that I was already talking about. That's the, another truth that they oppose. Another one here, though, too, is the, the truth of morality that's given by God. And that's like, that's like all over our society, isn't it? There is no morality. There is no, there's no right or wrong. It's like whatever you think. Well, there's certain things they're going to say, well, that's, that's probably wrong. I'll agree with you there. But, but so many other things, there's no right or wrong. It's whatever, you know, it's kind of a relative thing. How, how you look at it, how you feel about it. Look down at verse 13 because it's getting worse. Look down at verse 13. He said, uh, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse. He's talking again about the last days. Deceiving and being deceived. It's going to get worse, people. It's going to get worse in, in this deception, these things that are happening and and, you know, uh, some talk about, you know, the, the state of the church, that, you know, it's, a, it's an apostate church. It really doesn't have the life in it anymore, the truth in it anymore. So, now that I've, uh, you know, put you on a, on a real big bummer here, let's, let's ask the question, how can we be safe and how can we protect ourselves? Because if we don't have any hope here, you know, we might as well go down and, and eat some hummus. But how can we be safe and how can we protect ourselves? Number one, I think, is this here, to truly know Jesus as your Savior and follow Him. That's, that's the number one thing, to truly know Him, that you know Him. Not that you know about Him, but you know Him as your Savior. And you follow Him and you surrender to Him. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, in chapter 10, He says, you know, that my sheep... Know my voice or listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. But in that same chapter, he talks about a stranger. He says, he says they won't follow a stranger because they don't know his voice. So how do we protect ourselves? We truly know Jesus. We know the voice of Jesus through his word, by his spirit. 
And so when these other things come and you hear something, you go, well, that, like red lights should go off because that's not the voice that, that Jesus is saying. Jesus didn't say that, right? But the women that they were talking about in this passage and, and the men who were deceiving them, the women didn't seem to have, they didn't really, it says they were always learning, but never what? Able to acknowledge the truth. They never actually got it for themselves. So I'm saying the best protection is to get it for yourself. Truly be born again by the Spirit of God. That's the best protection. What's number two? Can anybody tell me? Yeah. To know the Bible, to know the truth. To be in the Word of God for yourselves. To go to a fellowship that teaches the Bible. Study what the Bible has to say. Well, I'm too busy. I got too many, you know, I got too much going on. I, you know, there's too many television programs that I like to watch. Too many things on the internet. Too much, you know, Facebook. I'm, my life is overwhelmed by trash. So I don't have any kind of discernment because I don't even know what the Bible says. I could get up here and, t and tell you all kinds of stuff, but if you don't know what the Bible says... You'd say, oh yeah, cleanliness next to godliness. Yeah, that sounds biblical to me. But go look it up. See if you can find it. Some of you got your smartphones. Look it up. See if that's really in the Bible. You, you got a little concordance on your phone. Wait, let me check my phone. Let me see. I'm getting a call. Oh yeah, flip phone. Oh, there's no concordance on there. Oh, geez. I'm in trouble now you got to know what the Bible is. Jesus said, you know, if you stay, if you truly are my disciple, a follower of Jesus, you will, you will abide in my word, stay in my word, and you will what? Anybody remember the rest? And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Read it. That's in John chapter 8, uh, around verse 30 and 31. And the last thing I want to say is you got to need to be discerning. Don't be gullible. One of the, one of the words there... Uh, for uh, uh, verse 6 talks about gullible in a different translation. Don't be gullible. Now, you know, be discerning and, and have some discernment and check it out by the Scripture. Acts chapter 17 talks about the Bereans. And let me, let me read it to you. It says, The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness. It's good to be eager. But it says, And... They examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Paul, the apostles, teaching them, you think, well, Paul can say just about anything he wants to. That guy's like anointed. You know, you hear that term. This person is so anointed. But these people, they went and checked it out. Well, I don't care if it's Paul or Moses or whoever it is. Check it out. See if it's real. See if it's true. It says they were of more noble character than these others because they checked it out to see if it was true. Be discerning. Don't be gullible. But in the end, as we wrap this up, look at verse 9 again. It says the truth will come out. These will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Janice and Jambres only got so far and then the truth came out. You know, the, the thing about it is, is the truth of, of these false teachers and false people. And, and I want to say too, and I meant to say this earlier about people who were wolves in sheep's clothing. They, they don't only come in and teach. They also come in to, 
Paul talks about coming in to spy out the freedom that you have in Christ. But not only that, but, but there are, are wolves in sheep's clothing who come in and try to steal away members of the flock. Especially men who come in as, as wolves to, to take advantage of, of uh, women. You say, wow, he's talking like that. Yeah, I'm talking like that because I've seen it through the years. We're very careful. We watch. We watch. But in the end, he says, they won't get very far. The truth will, truth will come out. I want to close with Psalm 73. Let's turn there, if you will. Middle of your Bible, book of Psalms, chapter 73. We're going to read some verses there and, and then close. Psalm 73. <clears throat> Let's start in verse 2. Let's start in verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. And then he goes on to say why. He said, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They seem to have some kind of success there. He's looking at these other people. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. And the evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and they speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. You see? They, claim, they lay claim to heaven. I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a follower of God. And their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? I'm going to get away with this, in other words. God doesn't know that I'm doing this. How can God know? They don't even believe in God, so they're just going to do their thing, right? Verse 12, this is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery, slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. See, God knows, and God's going to work it out. They'll have to stand before him. They'll have to answer to him in the end. But you and I need to be, again, completely following and giving our lives completely over to Jesus Knowing what his word says, staying in his word, we're going to know the truth. The truth will set us free. And have some discernment. Don't be afraid to say, well, I don't know about that. Just because so-and-so says it doesn't mean it's true. Check it out. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we look to you. We thank you for your word. And, and though it says difficult things sometimes, we know that it's your truth. It's your word and we can trust it. 
I pray for any here this morning who don't know you as Savior. And, and Lord, I pray you would be showing them your grace and your love even here this morning as they would, would say, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be tricked. I, I, I want to know uh, Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And today, if that's you, you can open your heart and say, Jesus, I want the truth. I want you in my life. You are the truth. I want to go to heaven. I want, I want to have eternal life. And I trust you today. I'm a sinner. But you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried. You rose from the dead. So come into my life. Today. Father, I, I pray also that you'd help us to understand your word. Lord, we could grow in, in understanding and and that we would be prepared for these days that are, that are now upon us and even going to get worse and worse. That we'd be able to stand up for the truth and contend for the faith of the gospel. Give us discernment, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?